this thing on? I feel so cool. Okay. Um, this is Howlin' Hart. He is an evangelist at the House of Prayer, uh, an intercessor missionary at the House of Prayer in Kansas City, where you all are. And uh, he goes out and evangelizes continually, regularly. And I've been with him a few times, and it is awesome. And uh, Hal has has uh, a great um, a spirit of the Lord that, you know, like Paul, it persuades men of the truth of the gospel. And uh, and there's a prophetic thing behind there that he's going to talk about. And, and we really appreciate Hal at the House of Prayer. And he is a man after God's own heart. And so... I want to pray for him real quick and let the word of the Lord run swiftly. So, Lord, we come before you. We just ask you, God, that you would come and change our hearts in this place. Lord, we ask you for the word of God to be like a fire in hell and let it consume our hearts. Lord, we ask you that you would not let a word fall to the ground, that you would have your way in this place and come and, come and encounter us and ruin us for you, Jesus. Lord, put your burden on our hearts for the lost. And we ask you to come and speak to us even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Truman. Greetings. I want to make a um, brief allusion to the materials that you've received. Uh, they're pretty self-explanatory, but it always helps to point out one or two things. Uh, the yellow brochure is an advertisement, a promo for a new school that we have called Evangelist Institute. It's a part of the larger uh, forerunner school of ministry. And if you are an evangelist or think you might be, I would give special attention to this because we're trying to raise up uh, a quality educational program for those who are God-called evangelists from across the nation. There really isn't too much for evangelists, if you want to be honest. I've searched to the horizon, and there's some good churches, but few, and a couple of other ministries that have a program that is tailored to help the evangelist recognize who he is become a man or woman of prayer in the process, and then inflamed with God's passion, you then go back to the function that God's called you to do. Jesus hung on the cross, and he said, I have finished the task God gave to me. And there's a, there's a bedroom activity with the Lord Jesus, and there's a workroom activity with the Lord Jesus. And if you're an evangelist, then God has assigned you the task of reaching as many people with the gospel before it's too late. And as you get better and better at this and your heart gets more tuned, you actually begin to hear the clock of God ticking for yourself and then even ticking for people that you know and love and aren't coming into the faith. So that's what we're trying to do here. Uh, also, there is a uh, little fill-out-the-blank sheet. I don't know how we're going to collect these. God help us. <laughs> but if you uh, want to get connected with us, this is one way to do it. Fill this out, and we'll get back to you. And uh, we're going to collect these at the close of the meeting. And then also on the school side, this is a listing of the courses that we now have uh, for the next two years. It's a two-year program. Okay. That said, Truman prayed. Let me talk to you about the vision uh, of what we're trying to accomplish. And then we'll get into some prophetic evangelism teaching and then some prophetic evangelism testimonies. In evangelism, the testimonies uh, are of such great worth, many times they're as valuable as the teaching. So I've got four or five people lined up to give you some real uh, rapid-fire machine gun-type testimonies that you'll enjoy. What we're trying to do at IHOP in the area of evangelism is to grow up evangelists 
from the soil of IHOP values. Uh, I was a pastor for 23 years, and like most ministers, I did not have a prayer life. And in God's grace, he separated me from the, the task of a pastor and moved me into my, my better calling as an evangelist. But I still wasn't praying until I came to IHOP. And then the, because of the positive peer pressure of the IHOP world, I mean, sometimes we need external pressure. Even the fear of man can work to the good if it accomplishes godly things. And you hate to walk around in a camp where everybody's looking a little bit faster than worn out and you're not. So all that to say, if you come to IHOP and you're an evangelist or you just want to learn to do the work of evangelism, which is a great thing, uh, you will be immersed in the whole IHOP world of learning to pray continuously and to fast all that you want. It's a little joke. It was much more than I wanted when I first came. And the result will be, out of the soil of those values, God's going to raise up evangelists that pursue holiness. You know, you can kick along in the dust and pick up a few spiritual points here and there, but this is a crowd, I'm sure, uh, who wants to pursue the things of God. You want to seek earnestly God Almighty. And so you'll pursue holiness, intimacy, and power. And there's a connection between those three words. This is what I'm trying to put into the evangelist God sends our way. And God's beginning to send a number of evangelists from around the country and pretty soon around the world. We want to be done with sin. That sounds like a a little bit of a hyperbole statement. But no, we want to be done with sin. There's never, ever an excuse for sinning willfully. Sinning unconsciously, sinning by way of falling short of the glory of God. God grants us that grace. That's all covered by the blood of Jesus. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus then cleanses us of all unknown sin. That's what that means, First John. But we want to be done with willful sin. We want to be ruthless with, unknown, with known sin in our life. We want to make sure that we're pursuing and going hard after the truth. You can't walk in the light and hold on to dark sin. So as a result of walking in holiness, then you come into true intimacy. Intimacy, while there's gross, dark, rebellious, willful sin, is an illusion. It's no better than what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. It's no better at all. They had all the accoutrements of being spiritual. They had all the trappings they needed, and yet Jesus looked through them with with x-ray eyes and said, Your heart, your heart is full of all uncleanness. It's like dead men's bones inside whitened sepulchers. And the kingdom that God wants to bring to the earth is not going to come through people like that. There's going to be a cleansing across the whole earth. That's what end-time judgments are for. But it begins in the house of God. So you're going to get clean one way or another. Why don't you volunteer and let him do it the easy way? And then once you have holiness in your heart, then there's true intimacy. I'm married, got five kids. There's no way I can have intimacy with my wife, Diane, if I'm fooling around as I go from city to city as an evangelist. What will my wife think of that? Oh, how? You're in big trouble. What would God think of that? If I said, oh, God, you know I love you. I love you. I love you, love you, love you. He says, really? Why would you adulterate the bride with someone else? You know what I'm talking about, idolatry. So holiness leads to intimacy, the real thing. And then intimacy, in most cases, not always, then precipitates in power. 
Now, God can preempt the whole process anytime he wants because he's God. You know, he can start with the power angle right off the bat. But that's not the norm. The norm is he cleanses the temple. And there's intimacy of worship and praise and obedience. And then the power starts to drip. And it doesn't take much power to make an impression on, God, on the people around us. So that's what we're trying to do. And uh, <clears throat> there's two components primarily right now what we're trying to do at IHOP. One is a forerunner evangelism community. People that are already evangelists, but they've been searching and longing and hoping for a place where their gift can have full expression, where it can be honed and developed, and it's not discounted like in many churches that honestly, as most pastors, don't know what to do with an evangelist. They're just, what are you doing? And it's hard for us to explain it sometimes. But when you get with birds of a feather, then you begin to flock and talk and fellowship, and all of a sudden you think, oh, this feels so good. This is like home. And that's what's happening to evangelists who come. They're, they're beginning to feel the, uh, the favor of God upon the gifting of God inside of them. And the other side of it is the Evangelist Institute, where we're training primarily young people who want to be uh, trained up in the ways of how to be a seasoned evangelist. Our strategies are going to be multiple. I'm just trying to race past this. Uh, we'll have all kinds of strategies. There is uh, a verse in the Bible called, that Paul said, I've become all things to all men that by all means I might save some. You'll never hear Mike Bickle dog on someone who prays different than he does. He says, bless God, they're praying. Praise the Lord, they're praying. And so in evangelism, we pass out tracts and make no apology for it because we know it works. We have hundreds of testimonies of people getting saved via a tract. We do servant evangelism, wash windshields, because we know it works. We do prophetic evangelism, which is what today's seminar is about. We'll do mercy ministry, feeding poor people, putting big, fat, juicy worms on a nice, sharp gospel hook. There's all kinds of ways, and there's all kinds of places. In other words, please, I beg you, don't be condescending toward anyone who does evangelism different than your style. Instead, rejoice in the Lord. That, like Paul's, Paul's in prison. He says, now, some people are preaching the gospel just to cause me trouble. Some out of sincerity. You know what? I'm just glad the gospel's being preached. And that's our attitude the way it has to be. Now, turn to uh, Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to try and slow my pace down here so I don't seem like I'm on speed up here. (laughs) Revelations 19. The topic is prophetic evangelism. I'm going to give a definition to that term. Probably everyone here already has a definition in their mind. John the Revelator is having a conversation with an angel who forbids him to worship the angel. Verse 10 of chapter 19. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. Must have been a dazzling angel for John, who had already seen Jesus, to fall at this guy's feet. But he said to me, do not do that, for I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This verse, if it has fulfillment in any single ministry, this is going to sound like an arrogant statement. Don't take it that way. If it has fulfillment in any single ministry, it's in the ministry of an evangelist or a person who loves to do the work of evangelism. Because the testimony of Jesus is quite simply God is real. Those who come to God must believe he is Okay, there is a God of the Bible. It's an accurate record of the creator of all things. He has a son named Jesus. 
who was crucified for the sins of the whole world, buried on the third day, rose again. That is the essence of the gospel, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. Crucified for our sins, according to the scriptures, buried and raised again. That is the testimony of Jesus, of what he came to do, what he did, and what he now wants us to boast in the Lord about to everybody we know. So telling the good news is the spirit of prophecy. Now, that doesn't water down the definition of prophetic evangelism at all. That doesn't water down the whole prophetic ministry. What that does is it shines a bright, clear, clean light on the subject. What is it in the Bible that often got people killed? Prophets got killed. Jesus says, you know, it it cannot be, but the prophets would perish in Jerusalem. They told the truth. That's what gets people in trouble. Now, if you want to mamby-pamby a message, you can please tons of people. And Jesus says, woe to those who have no enemies when everyone speaks well of you. And what I'm saying is you don't ever want to offend intentionally. You know, God forbid. But the gospel itself, although it's called good news, you know and I know, the undercurrent of the gospel is you're not right with God. And God loves you, wants you to be right with Him. He has affections for you beyond infinity. But you need to turn, repent, submit, and come under His authority. And then the cross becomes great news. If they're not willing to do that, if they don't understand that, if someone doesn't tell them about that, because they're all spiritually ignorant for the most part, then it's really not the spirit of prophecy. What it is, it's a watered-down version of something that almost was said but wasn't said. See, prophecy is saying what God once said. Prophetic lifestyle is doing what God wants you to do. Anything short of that doesn't qualify as prophecy. It's God bubbling up in your spirit and giving you words and then you saying them. It's God depositing in you an impression and then you acting upon it. Well, that's what evangelists should do outside the church walls. Uh, Getting the salt out of the shaker is the next step in God's economy. God is stirring people up. They're falling in love with him. And now he's saying, turn your gaze beyond your brother even beyond the altar of singing praises to me and take this glorious thing to people outside the camp who are famished for truth. And he's already stirred many people's hearts to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And in the sovereignty of God, you walk up and talk to people, even without a leading many times, and they're prearranged by God. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, went out on Friday night. We go out on Friday nights and Saturday nights. We do some other things at the, at the hop also. And we walked up to a theater, and there was probably 100 kids standing out in front of the theater. Some had come out of the motion picture. Some were getting ready to go in. Some were just killing time. The first group I walked up to, and it doesn't always happen this way, but this night it did. Hey, how you guys doing? They said, oh, pretty good, pretty good. I said, well, uh, there's a bunch of us out here tonight, and we're just talking about God. Uh, you want to talk about God? They said, yeah, we'll do that. I said, uh, you guys uh, know anything about him? Oh, yeah, a little bit. I said, are you believers? Yeah. I said, oh, that's cool. What do you believe in? They said, Jesus. I said, you really do? He said, yeah, we really do. So I I qualified that their confession was true. They really did believe in Jesus. So I commended them for being so straightforward, upfront, and saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. 
And then before we conclude our conversation, one guy said, you got to talk to Bill. There's a crowd of about 100 kids, and he goes, hey, Bill, get over here. Come here, Bill. So Bill came along with two other friends. Now there's six of these guys standing in front of me. And no one's saying anything. I'll, well, time to preach. So, <laughs> so I said, hey, you guys are buddies with these guys. I said, now these guys just told me they were Christian. Uh, are you guys Christian? They go, no, no. I said, really? That's funny. You guys are all buddies? And they all went like this. I said, I said to the three Christian guys, did you ever tell them about Jesus? And their faces kind of dropped. And they said, uh, no, not really. I said, did they ever tell you anything about Jesus? They said, no, really? No. So I said, well, let me tell you about Jesus. So I gave them my, you know, my gospel in a nutshell and talked to them for about three or four minutes. And I said, what do you think, guys? Uh, I said, are you ready to surrender your life? You know, let God take control. Uh, let him call the shots, et cetera, et cetera. And they said, no. I said, really? How come? They had no answer for that. And one of the quick little tips that you can learn and use constantly is when, when someone says something that's kind of off the wall and you don't have an immediate cute answer, just go, huh, that's interesting. How come you believe that? And they will stumble and choke on their spittle and, and they don't know what to do because they don't have any reasonings behind their belief system. So I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged. That's a huge tip. If you don't take anything out of this little seminar, remember that one. Just go, huh, that's interesting. Why? Anyway, so I did that with them. They didn't have any answers. So they stood there. They didn't walk away. So I said, well, let me tell you my testimony. So I gave them my testimony. Then uh, I said, what do you think, guys? They just kind of did this teenage boy thing. (laughs) So I I had three or four shots at them. I said, you know, guys, uh, I got to go because I want to talk to some people that are interested. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) no, you know what? Say what comes to mind. I wasn't unkind. It wasn't untruthful. Just say what comes to mind. That's what a prophetic person does. If you're right with God, you're prayed up, you're in tune, you want to do the will of God, just say what comes to mind. And usually it's right. If it's wrong, you can apologize. <laughs> but most of the time it's right. So I, saw this, I said, i got to go, guys, yes or no? Yes, God, no, God. And one guy looked at his buddy, and I knew what he was thinking. I will if you will. I just knew it. I mean, I said, no, 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 can't do that. You stand before God alone eventually. And you need to make a decision for him by yourself. So then the guy said, okay, I'll do it. Then his buddy said, me too. You know? And so I looked at the third guy. I said, how about you? He said, no way. I said, well, great. That's honest. You don't want to do this thing unless you really mean business with God. There's a lot of false converts, people that start, you know, weak and die soon. So I led the two guys to the Lord, you know, and I sent them on their way to talk to their parents and talk to their youth pastor. They were church kids. And uh, off they went. So I'm talking to some more people later on that night. And uh, one of the new converts taps me on the shoulder and says, <clears throat> Sir, my buddy wants to talk to you. Well, it's the sixth guy. And he said, uh, Sir, I, I want to do that. I said, do what? I said, he said, you know, pray that prayer. I said, get out of here. You don't want to pray that prayer. You're not serious. I said, you just, all your buddies now say they're Christian and you just, you just want to be in the group. He says, no, I really, I was playing with him, you know. <laughs> He said, no, I really want to do it. So I challenged him a little bit more than I prayed with him. Now, why am I telling that story? He, he got saved. Because that's prophetic. I didn't have a word of knowledge other than I knew what they were thinking when they looked at one another. That's kind of low-weight word of knowledge. <laughs> but I said what needed to be said. I did on Friday night what God wanted me to do. Go. 
into all the world and preach the gospel. It was so important, I scheduled it for every Friday night from March until Halloween. And when you go, I guarantee you, God will work with you. See, God wants to manifest himself. He's prepared people before him. And that is the spirit of prophecy. And then you can tack onto that word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. May I pray for your healing? Can I just pray for you? You know, all the things that are the gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to kick in. And whatever giftings God's given you, what you're comfortable using, can be used in evangelism. And the more of that stuff you use, of course, the wider the door is open for to drive the gospel truck through. One more quick story. Let's see. Yeah, i got to hurry. Okay. Uh, I got a dream one time. I was uh, driving an SUV vehicle and along this windy road. And on either side was a bunch of alligators and crocodiles. And in my dream, I'm thinking, whoa, you had a breakdown here. You'd be in serious trouble. And so then I turn this corner in my dream, and I see this guy digging a hole. He's so happy digging this hole. He's just really into it, a happy day, digging a hole. And I go like this, and he goes like this, and we have kind of these country wave type things, you know, and I drive past him. Then out of the corner of my eye, I see this guy is digging a hole by this marshy lake, and there's this 14-foot sea croc coming at him unbeknownst to the guy digging the hole. He's happy digging a hole, and he's soon going to be dead. So in my dream, I panic, and I spin my SUV around, and I'm wondering, am I going to get there? Am I going to get there in time? So I start hitting my horn, telling him, and he can't understand a thing I'm saying because I'm too far away. He thinks, oh, guy's just still happy with me, you know? And then, boom, I wake up. And the presence of the Lord was on me, so I got the interpretation pretty quick. We all have our little ministry vehicles. We're all on the road of life. And there's multiple dangers. And if you have a breakdown in your character and in integrity, you're in danger on the road of life because there's demons everywhere to consume you. So I'm in my ministry, you know, and I'm driving around. <clears throat> and then I pass by this guy, and I just was caught by the lure of a pleasant conversation. I forgot who I was in Christ. I forgot what my purpose was in Christ. And at the last moment, I realized, oh, my goodness, this guy is going to be devoured by the 14-foot croc, which was the devil. And he was totally ignorant. He was happy with life, digging a hole. And most people in life, well, all people in life who don't know Jesus personally, if they're happy at all, they're equivalent to just digging a stupid hole. And they don't know what's awaiting them just moments away. And as I spin around, I realize I pass by people all the time and I'm just a pleasant, sort of happy-go-lucky, extrovert-type guy. And I don't talk to them about what's important. Now, you can't talk to everybody. Don't get into a harried, hurried pace. God speaks. But in this case, I knew God was warning me. How? You're walking past way too many people. And so, guess what? The next week, I'm coming home from IHOP. I turn the corner at 79th and, and Quivira, and there's this guy digging a hole. <laughs> now, now, I'm a little slow. So I thought, wow, that's just like that dream I had. <laughs> it's like the Holy Spirit go, duh. I thought, that is the dream I just had. So I spun around, went back to him, and I, you know, here's how you, know, how you approach him and changes with each person. But I said, uh, sir, I've got to talk to you a minute. So he stopped digging his hole. He was working for the utility company. I said, you know, I had a dream last night, and I think it was about you. <laughs> and... He said, really? He had kind of, kind of a silly grin on his face. I said, no, seriously, I had a dream. I said, I told him the whole thing. 
And I said, I think God is warned. I said, are you a Christian? He said, nope. I said, have you ever thought about becoming a believer in Jesus? Nope. You have an inclination at all? Nope. He's perfect. He's happy digging a hole. I said, well, God wants to warn you that you're in grave danger. No man's guaranteed the next breath. And if you ever want to give your life to Christ, he's waiting right now. And that was it. He wasn't ripe, but it was like in a 10-step process. You awaken a person maybe in step three or four, and you snare them in step, step 10. Somebody else comes along and snares them in step 10. Okay, there's a couple of testimonies. Now, uh, you guys are going to testify. Come on up here. Ben, Benjamin, come on up here first. These guys are going to have great restraint. They're going to tell you a great testimony in three or four minutes. Pray for them. Um, first off, um, we're on a college campus, and we just we were evangelizing. We evangelized once a week, and I walked up to this woman, and the Holy Spirit just said, she just lost a baby. And so I walked up to her, and as kind and as loving as I could, I just said, um, uh, excuse me, did you just lose a baby? And she said, oh, how do you know that? She goes, my husband doesn't even know that. And, I, and then I, I realized what was happening, and I said, I, I go, I'm just flesh and blood. I just squeezed my hand. I said, Jesus loves you. He sent me to, to tell you and share his love that he has for you and and she prayed and asked jesus to come into her heart and then just another quick short one as every friday night or saturday we would evangelize and we're out and holy spirit just said turn left right i mean i ended up walking down some dark corridor and i opened this door and there's this international student just sitting there working at a computer or something and i said hey i'm here to tell you about jesus do you want to pray to accept jesus it's like, okay. <laughs> and, and I... And I go... I'm like waiting for like the argument and I was going to debate him. And, and I said, okay, we prayed. I walked away and I was like, that was weird. I wonder... <laughs> I go, I wonder if it was real. You know, I really care about repentance from dead works and all that. But like Hal was talking about, the next day, this guy comes into my face and he goes, remember me. I prayed to accept Jesus in my heart. I was the one that prayed. I was like, yeah, you did. Awesome. How's it going? Jesus. I was like, awesome. Okay, Joshua. Hey guys. Um, one time, uh, a friend of mine, Paul, and I were in Greenville, South Carolina, um, doing evangelism and stuff like that. And we set up this thing called a, a prayer booth. We just set up a table downtown, put up a little sign, sat there for like ever, and nobody came by except for one crazy guy, and he was just babbling something crazy to us. But um, we were about to leave, and then this young guy came up to us, and um, he, he said that. He saw us, and we were the third people that talked to him that day. Somebody had given him a track. Somebody had just tried to give, just tried to preach the gospel to him, and we were the third ones. So he said that he knew that God was after him that day. So um, he sat down and agreed to be prayed for, and um, the Lord gave uh, my, my friend Paul and I a few words, words of knowledge about his mother and how he had missed her and um, how his life was kind of off track, and he didn't know what he was living for, and he was just kind of 
bouncing around, like getting in trouble and getting in and out of prison and stuff. And he had, he had this court date coming up like the next week. So um, we, so we, we shared the gospel with him. And um, he and actually, like, he had never heard the gospel message. So we, we shared with him. And he accepted the Lord. Um, and then right then and there, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So that was cool, too. <laughs> so um, so he, he, he what? Yeah, it was really cool. So um, then, uh, and we just we just been to a church that day and got him plugged into the church. Really nice pastor, and um, the Lord just broke into his life because you know, just like Hal said, passing out those tracks, you know, all that stuff just breaks away at people's hearts. So he just he knew the Lord was after him that day. And one other quick one: we we were at the, this Waffle House one night, and uh, we. Um, we, we sat down, and the waitress came over, and the, the Lord gave us a few words of knowledge about her grandmother and how she used to go to church as a child and everything, and how she had uh, fallen away. And we just um, gave her some words about, like, how she could get her life back in order and how she could um, pursue some of the, her, her dreams. And she just uh, gave the Lord the, the, her life to the Lord that day. And you could just see that, you know, the joy in her eyes come back. And just like, you know, you know when somebody, it, it, it's real, you know. And it's just the joy of the Lord comes in. So, Benjamin, or uh, Greg. Okay, this is Gregory. Thanks, Hal. Um, I've got two. Uh, one from each of the major ways that you get evangelism. One is in public, like in a restaurant, and the other one is in private. Um, about a year ago, I went to Fridays. Big shout out to Fridays. Uh, with a bunch of friends of mine, and um, we were talking about a guy named Todd Bentley. I don't know, maybe some of you have heard of Todd Bentley. And we were saying, uh, we talked about Todd Bentley doing prophetic evangelism. He said, we could do that. We're young and inexperienced, and we're waiting around with a big stick in the dark. And uh, so so we said, all right, we're going we're gonna to try it. So we started praying, and, and uh, I went to the bathroom to, to wash my hands before I ate, because I'm not a Philistine. And uh, this the waitress came over. Come on. The waitress came over, and apparently she had said to the people at the table that she was pregnant, but I wasn't there when that happened. And so I came back, and we were like, okay, let's pray. We started praying. And so I said, all right, I got something. And the girl next to me said, all right, I got something. And so when she came over, I said, let me uh, let me ask you a question, which is usually how I start. I said, let me ask you a question. You're pregnant, aren't you? She said, yeah. And I said, uh, you want a baby girl, don't you? She said, yeah. And the girl next to me had told me what she got. And I said, your mother is a Christian, isn't she? And her eyes got as big as dinner plates. And, uh, and she said, how did you know that? And uh, it was, you could have heard crickets chirp. And uh, it was so quiet. And I said, uh, well, we're Christians. And God told us. And she, she said, what else did he tell you? <laughs> and... She was so, I mean, she was leaning over and she was so into it. And I said, I said, well, uh, you know, he misses you. He remembers that when you were a kid, you used to pray and you used to spend time with him. And he longs for you and he misses that time that you spent with him. And he's, he's after your heart and the floodgates open. She just started crying. And she was so into it. And we just prayed with her and, and we just asked that the Lord would, would go after her. And I said, and I left it off. I said, you're going to have a baby girl. That's, that's what you're going to have. And she... Uh, <laughs> I really, I didn't know what I was doing. You know what I mean? I just started. So I just kind of went and I, I 
And so, and so I said, you're going to have a baby girl. And she was talking about her boyfriend wanted a boy and this and that. And, and I said, well, you need to restore your relationship with your mom. And I followed that up with a little bit. The other, the other one is in private. Uh, many of you get a chance to speak with your friends or uh, somebody that you don't know that your friend introduces you to in private. And uh, the other day, a friend of mine, Dan Ricketts, who's a worship leader here on Nightwatch, came to me and he had a friend that had visited from Iowa, Dave. And Dave was, uh, was on fire for Jesus. And Dave was here visiting because he loved the Lord. And uh, the Lord read his mail. <laughs> and, so, and so he started talking about how he wanted to move here and he's changing his life. And God just, as soon as I walked in the door, God hit me. And I was just, I went and I, I was like, okay, let me sit down. <laughs> and so I sat down. I'm just listening to this guy talk. And I said, wait, 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 Dave. I said, you need to stop dealing meth first before you move here. And so, <clears throat> so I said, you need to stop dealing meth. I said, there is a girl that you're involved with right now that, and he just, I mean, you could feel like the weight hit the room. Um, Paul said that we don't, Paul reasoned in the temple, but he said, we don't, I resolve to know the Messiah and him crucified. I don't preach with persuasive words, but demonstrations of the spirit and power. And, and it wasn't about rationality at that point. It wasn't about, although that's an excellent skill to exercise. It wasn't about that. At that point, it was about the spirit of God resting on and the spirit of truth, resting on the words that I was giving this man. And I said, you need to break up with this girl. Because she, you are entrapped in this. You're in bondage. And the anointing breaks the yoke. And I, and I just went at him. And I said, you know the truth. And you need to run after it. And half the time, that's really what it's about. God will give you a word of knowledge or wisdom. And you just give it to him. Amen. Good job. Excellent. Deborah. We've got eight minutes left. And can you make your... Uh your story, like a four-minute story at the max, because I want you all to stand up and pray one for another. You'd be surprised how fast God will give you word of knowledge for the person standing right next to you, because God's bigger than you. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. I don't know where to begin. Um, I was going on a minute. I came down here to do an internship, and then I ended up staying, and then the summer I went to Minnesota to do a ministry trip in Minnesota. On the way back, um, someone gave me, uh, the group that I was with, someone gave us tickets to go to Adventureland in uh, oh, um, uh, Iowa. I think it was Iowa. Anyway, um, so we go to Adventureland. I really didn't want to go. It was on the 4th of July. I just wanted to get back here. So anyway, uh, a few of my friends, we go on this roller coaster ride, and there's a few of my friends that were with me, and they went on the ride, and I decided not to go on the ride for various reasons. And so um, all of a sudden I heard all this commotion and all these people screaming and yelling at each other, and the security guards were running everywhere. And I turned around and looked, and they had um, they had all about 25 black people on one side and tw- 25 um, Oriental people on the other side, and they all had um, sticks and they're you know screaming and yelling at each other, ready to. It, it was a gang fight was getting ready to happen, and there was a few of the leaders that were really screaming and yelling, getting ready to hit each other. And so I'm standing there watching this, and then I started praying, and the Lord said, go stop the fight. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, right, you know. So I started binding all the demons and saying, no, you know, that's not the Lord, that's the enemy and all this stuff. So, so all of a sudden uh, I felt this nudge, like almost like a kick, you know, go stop the fight. And I said, Lord, you know, 
you know, I'm thinking he's going to take me home today and all this stuff, you know, it's my last day on earth and everything. So um, I started, so I thought, okay, well, Lauren, if you want to take me home, take me home. And I, so I start walking real slowly and I have no idea what I'm going to say. I said, God, give me something to say. I don't even know what to say. What should I do? He goes, just start walking. You know, and sometimes he just gives us that blind faith. Just go do it, you know. So anyway, I'm walking and I'm going really slow. And there's only a little bit of space, like not even this amount of space between the aisle, between the two groups screaming and yelling. They already have rocks. And so they're still grabbing. Um, there's like these baseball bats that they're grabbing behind them on the where they have all the, um, the games. Okay, anyway. So I get up in the so I walk up in the middle of them. I just turn and I still didn't know what I, I turned to the Asian group and I just said, "Look, can't y'all see all the angels in here? Look at all the angels in here!" And they just looked at me like I was out of my mind, you know. And I said, "Y'all can't see them." I, I had no idea what was going to. And so they're looking around and I said, "We don't see any angels." And I said, "They're everywhere." And this is the Fourth of July and God set you free today. And Jesus doesn't want y'all to have this fight today. And I said. You know, and, and then there's still yelling going on behind me, but I'm, I'm oblivious to the yelling going on behind me. So finally, um, the Lord said, just use the authority that you have. So I said, look, you know, Jesus loves you. You're precious in his sight. I said, in the name of Jesus, y'all just, I'm going to have to put your sticks down, put everything down, and you're going to have to walk away. I said, come on, let's just go walk away. And I said, they started. I said, well, walk away. I said, look, in the name of Jesus, walk away. So they all just dropped their sticks, like 25 of them drop their sticks, and they walk away. And I'm sitting there in shock that they're walking away, you know. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe them. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I felt someone behind my head, hitting, hitting, you know, with my hair. And, my head. and it's, it's this black woman. I turn around, and she's screaming and yelling at me. I turn around, and the Lord says, okay, now I'll turn around and talk to her. So I turn around, and she has her whole gang with her. And she says, who do you think you are to try to stop this fight? You know, who do you think you are? And where, and where did you come from? And who are you? And what are you doing here? And so she's yelling and screaming at me. At the time, my friend who's about 300 pounds in long hair, looks like a biker, he comes walking and gets off the ride, and he comes up, and he didn't, all he sees is this girl in my face with this gang, and he goes up and he says, go away in the name of Jesus. I mean, I mean, he didn't know. I mean, that probably wasn't the right way. That wasn't the right, you know. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, she starts waving her hand up in the air and she goes, I don't know who this guy thinks he is. And they're telling me to leave. And as she's saying that, they're all turning around and walking away. And so the secu- so after they all walked away, um, and they're still yelling, this group's still yelling and screaming as they're walking away. Well, um, all this other group of people, all the kids and the families that were watching, especially teenagers, ran up to me and they said, how did you do that? I said, I didn't do that. And so well, how did you, how did that happen? I said, well, if you ask Jesus Christ into your heart and you make him Lord and Savior, and you know, if he becomes Lord and Savior in your life, then you have authority over all the power of the enemy. You have authority over gangs. I said, well, if God gives you authority, God gives you authority over all the power of the enemy. And so they're asking me questions about Jesus and everything, and they're just like awestruck. And so anyway, they, they didn't get saved. The security guard stopped us in the sow, but that, the seed was planted. So It's good. Thanks, God. Okay, I, I have some more testimonies, uh, Misty and uh, Ken. I'm sorry I couldn't get to you. If you fill this thing out quickly, pass it to the center aisle. Pretend like this is church. And if you've never read The Heavenly Man, this is where God's taking evangelism in America. The day is coming. There's zeal and abandonment and persecution and glory. 
I would encourage you to do this. The reason you filled this out is so we can stay in touch with it. And by the way, you can email us at evangelism at ihop.org. On the back of the brochure, it has our email address, evangelism at at, uh, ihop.org. Okay, got one minute left. Let's pray. Put your hand uh, on the person next to you. Lord, give insight. Give impartation. Yeah, on their shoulder. Yeah, all right. There's the first word of wisdom. Did you get it? (laughs) Okay, Lord. Now, just tell the person next to you what you got. You don't never see him again. Tell him. If you got anything, just tell him. God's, God's with it. Now, Lord, I pray that uh, this little exercise will turn into a ministry that wherever we go, to, to whomever we speak, we have an ear toward heaven, and we dare to say what we think God is saying to us, God. God, help us perish every thought that we fear the opinion of men. All we want to do, God, is have you grin and say, look what they just did on my behalf. I love them so much. In Jesus' name. Amen.